So this, I feel like soil in chef's plate. That's more future chat. <laughs> I know. We're not going to talk about I know. that. We don't have to talk about Soylent. I, chef's no. plate, I think, is interesting because it's not... Uh, it's like how we live and technology, I it's in there. Know. It's not on brand. So, <laughs> what's our brand? <laughs> our brand is pensive, touchy-feely, not the future of eating. This is the future of eating. So, <laughs> I guess. If I have uh, a story, it's not follow-up but it's follow-up E about my cell phone. And I told you that it is desktop fodder and not future chat fodder. What would you say? I'd be fine with that. Did we talk okay. about it on desktop before? No. Oh, so well, that's not follow-up. No. no, it's not. It's follow-up E. It's in the vein of follow-up, but it's not Follow following in? up on anything. No. <laughs> <laughs> it's like, it's like Neo follow-up. We're not, this Neo thing is not <laughs> happening. <laughs> Stop trying to make Neo happen. <laughs> uh yeah so is there anything on here like i i was looking through the list of topics you had and i'd be intrigued by the by a few of them do you have a favorite or one that you really think would be good for this week this month um online reviews uh time and task management Mm -hmm. Mm, next smart next month more about one note Next smartphone. Okay. No, I'm not. I want to talk about one. No. Next smartphone, maybe. <laughs> yeah. Uh, maybe we could save that discussion for an end of the year kind of like a dis- that has more of a December vibe. The smart, the yeah. next this next year smartphone. I agree. Or like beginning of next year, like right. after the break too. Because then one of us. There's no break. One of us. There's a break. Well, there's, there's I, I guess there's no, no break, break on a monthly show. <laughs> one of us may have new tech to talk about next year whoa mike's well, gonna no, get something new no, i'm not i'm not hinting towards anything i'm just whoa. saying i'm just saying the possibility is always there that's okay all. well i'm almost definitely not <laughs> but then that that means that you're set up to be uberly surprised that's true <laughs> now you are hinting at something and i don't think it's there <laughs> I'll full, I like full, this... full disclosure i'm not intentionally hinting anything but coincidentally uh. may end up being the case you know I, you said it earlier on uh, on slack that you're becoming more merlin manny now this has fully become reconcilable differences because we're just talking <laughs> about the topics at the lead-in of the show but that's fine it's it's a natural progression oh, i know it really to is to a discussion um i have so much to say about unrealistic science and tech in the tv and movies this topic you have mm-hmm. uh but i would i would feel better if i could prepare for it sure Okay the online review thing I think is interesting because there's a lot of different directions we could go with it. And uh, if there's time, do time management. <laughs> Iron- <No>. like- <laughs> Ironically enough. Oh, no, that's actually ironic. Always coming up with irony. <laughs> um, yeah, like do a first half, second half kind of thing. What if we did the time management one first so we could learn how to manage time to fit in mm. that next topic? Mm. I'd be fine with that as well. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> um, <laughs> Before we get too far into the show, um, why don't we just have a little pre-follow-up uh, to talk about the new network that we joined. Mm-hmm. This is very exciting and, for us. Yeah, you need to lead this because you are the lead on this. Am I? I, I guess I am the main host of the show. Yeah, you're the main host and you're also the local host. I am the local host. I, I am Alberta-based, <laughs> as yes. many of you may or may not know. 
and there is a podcast network called Alberta Podcast Network. And they reached out to local podcasters in Alberta, Calgary specifically. And we, our show, Desktop, has been accepted as a member of the Alberta Podcast Network. So Karen Unland is the lead of the Alberta Podcast Network. She organizes it, liaises with uh, sponsors and the various organizers for the shows on the network. And it's essentially a collaboration between the various podcasts in Alberta that all work together to raise awareness of the different type of shows that are out there that people in Alberta and across the world for that matter can find that are based in Alberta and have a bit of a local local angle, local perspective, and uh, hopefully kind of grow each other's audiences and hope to, yeah, I, I guess basically essentially what a network is for is, is to raise awareness mm-hmm. of the different members of the network. Yeah. So, uh, so we're very excited to be a part of that and would like just to thank uh, Karen for, for accepting us as a part of the network and we're, we're very excited to, to work with everyone. Yeah. As part of that, we have formally moved to a once a month format and we're going to be held feet to the feet to our own, our own feet to our own fire to keep that schedule. Yes. So regular desktop listeners will actually get more episodes, I think, over on average compared to before. I think so. It's at least the average may stay this. Uh, yeah, I guess probably probably is even more more on average because it'll definitely be more regular. Yeah, because <laughs> we're probably averaging maybe once a month ish. Yeah, slightly less, but now it will mm-hmm. probably essentially be on average once a month. Mm-hmm. I, I see no reason for it not to be. Yeah. So uh, yeah, you can you can look forward to to a lot more regular content and uh, throughout throughout this next year and going forward will be hoping to kind of let everyone know of uh, the different types of shows and and uh, options out there to see local Alberta content. Yeah. So uh, let us know what you what you think of this and, you know, pros and cons and pleasures, displeasures, and we'll, we'll engage in a bit of discussion there. But as of right now, we're, we're very happy and very excited to be a part of it. Mm-hmm. A part of what? The Alberta Podcast Network. You can find them at www.albertopodcastnetwork.com uh, for a full list of shows. And uh, you can find Alberta Podcast Network on Twitter at albertapodnet and give them a tweet, a shout out, and thank them for accepting us. Yeah. And uh, so I'm, in case you haven't picked up on a mic, I'm training you on how to do these. Thank so you. So powered by who? Powered by ATB. Nice. Alberta Podcast Network powered by ATB. So we'd like, yeah. like, like to thank both Alberta Podcast Network <laughs> and ATB for supporting local Alberta content and podcasts. Yeah, that's uh, it, it's very interesting going into these kinds of agreements because it becomes kind of second nature. But at the very beginning, I'm ha- I, I having done this before, having done had a few kind of formal sponsors for uh, another podcast to do Ottawa. Uh, you get into the thing where oh yeah, I've I've entered into a contractual agreement to mention these people. Uh, these groups and they're obviously like the the sponsor that we had in the past was uh they would de- it was like a lunch delivery service and uh so it's like a, it's something you actually do support and we like we got to try out the service and it was interesting and like i have always been very supportive of podcast networks in general and just kind of being able to cross promote and and find new podcasts and people that are interested in in what you're doing that are also local and uh atb i've heard is very 
forward thinking. I, I haven't heard much with ATB, but I'm looking forward in the next yep. several months learning. Um, but they're very on, like I switched banks because of Apple Pay. Yeah. <laughs> like when Apple Pay didn't launch on my bank, I switched and uh, ATB seems to be, from from everything I'm hearing, they're lead, kind of trying to lead the way in Alberta on getting new digital digital like banking services and products and so I'm, I'm very eager to learn about them. Yeah. Yeah. No, every, every time that I've considered switching banks, I've always looked at ATB as definitely a leading option, if not the leading option. Uh, I just, I did, if it, probably if I was like more of like a small business with more transactions and kind of a bit more needs on the banking side, I probably would have done it sooner. Mm-hmm. Uh, but yeah, definitely. They definitely have a presence here in Alberta and, and are definitely leading the way on a lot of, a lot of fronts. Right. Yeah, and so uh, officially, I look forward to they, they they have a bunch of different initiatives that we uh, were able to talk about over the next um, X number of episodes, and so uh, we'll look forward to sharing all those initiatives with you in time. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So, Mike, let's uh, let's stop wasting our time and learn how to manage it better. <laughs> you you said here that you um, you're not very no no I said I said I'm not very good at it which I think is true. I'm not, I don't do a lot of time management. Most of my time management is just like trying to waste as little of it as possible. But uh, do you have any kind of formal way of tracking your time or, or t- managing it? From a tech perspective, the only time management tools that I really use are Google Calendar when it comes to just putting things in there and forgetting about it until I need to remember it again. And then Google Calendar pings me and says, hey, you got this thing coming up. Uh, I've helped, I found that it's helped a lot to have the Google Calendar widget on my home screen on my phone. Uh, With Android, you can put what are called widgets. iOS has them as well, but they function slightly differently. They're They're better now than they used to be, I find. Okay, I, I haven't used them at all. Mm-hmm. Uh, on iOS, I'm aware of their existence and kind of what function they serve. They're almost like a more detailed and interactive notification versus it can be. Yeah, a, that's like, how they that's how they're styled, anyways. Yeah, on Android, they they become a part of the home screen UI, and you can resize them. You can customize depending on the app, of course. You can customize what's inside of them, and they can be very beneficial. They are very memory intensive, though. I find that my phone. I mean, it's it's a note four so it's four years old now <laughs> yeah at least four generations four generations i've probably been closer to five years time-wise at this mm-hmm. point not since i've had it but since it was new and yeah. so it is a little bit sluggish with the amount of stuff i have on my home screen but i find that it's still still usable the way it is and the google calendar widget it one of the options that they have for the widget is a agenda sort of view so i'll have your at the top the most soon calendar item so it'll say like if i have a you know pick them up from school like they'll be in there as a, the next item and then oh tuesday you have whatever event and it will just show the event itself mm-hmm. and you can color code them you can you know set obviously with google calendar in general you can set reminders all that kind of stuff but i find that having it on my home screen that every time i unlock my phone is like right there so i'm reminded by it if i just set it in my calendar then i set the reminder for a couple of days before i'll just forget about it up until that point but at least when it's on my widget then it shows up there you know a week plus in advance depending on how many uh, yeah. items i have set up there so that's 
the main tool that I used for time management on a daily kind of task basis, like a to-do list type thing. I don't really use anything. Mm-hmm. I guess I haven't really found a need for it at this point. Uh, if anything, I'll use Google Keep just for kind of lists that I want to add to and then revisit at whatever point in time. But I wouldn't really consider that time management. That's more just life organization. Yeah, like tasks. Kind of. But yeah. it's, it's not really time related, so to mm-hmm. speak. So, Rob, you use, I guess, Google Calendar and Outlook slash OneNote yeah. calendars? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, why don't you go shed a bit of light on, on yeah. that type of workflow? You. <laughs> You should really use OneNote because you're like, I would never manage my file system with OneNote. I would never use OneNote calendar, but those are not, those are not features of OneNote. Um, I do I say use I wouldn't Outlook. use OneNote calendar. I'm, I'm trying to pull out of the air what the brand name of the calendar that you use with OneNote. I know. Uh, there's no calendar in OneNote. Okay. Um, well, I'm not using you that. Use, you would use Outlook. Uh, Outlook being the Microsoft product that has mail and calendars and contacts and all that. Um, I do use that. That's at work we use um what's the why why can't i think of the name um anyways the enterprise microsoft uh i guess it's called exchange yeah exchange exchange is the word i'm thinking of microsoft exchange server so i can access all those emails and calendar stuff on my phone and my tablet and don't have to kind of worry about it. i can add my gmail account and my um outlook from work to that same uh same app so i can access it all in the same interface for calendars and then google calendar for my kind of more personal stuff and yeah i um that's that's the basic things i use yeah i should mention that i do use outlook as well for work um i guess i was thinking more personal life but yeah with with work like we have the exchange server as well that we use for for email and the associated calendar that comes with it Mm -hmm. And I think I've mentioned it before, but I find it very useful to do the flags on Outlook email, but they have reminders as well. Yeah. So when you right click and go add reminder, you can set the flag for when you need it done by like priority wise, but you can also have a Mm -hmm. reminder. So it pops up the same way, like an event or meeting reminder would pop up. But I like that. I've always wanted to remind myself to do something but have like a email associated with that right. item. Or like an email, like similar kind of metadata. Kind like something of. That pops up it's the same it's way similar. that inbox works with like snoozing yeah. emails, right? Like you just, you're like, yeah. I want to revisit this at whatever time, but I want to be able to see the email that it's related to. Yeah. And Outlook before I'd just put a reminder saying, follow up with blah, 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 blah on blah, 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 blah. Yeah, but I won't be like, oh, okay, what was that about? Oh, I'll dig through my emails to go find that email. But with the mm-hmm. add reminder feature on the flags for emails, you can just set a exact same type of reminder, like at what what date, what time, and it pops up the reminder with the little email in that box, and you just double click that, and the email pops open. Yeah. So if someone sends you email saying, oh, sorry, can't get this now, I'll follow up, I'll take a look at it in a week. You can add a reminder to say, you just pop that up in a week. Yeah. And say, oh, yeah, I've got to follow up with that. And then say, hey, did mm-hmm. you follow up with this thing that we needed, right? And I've used that so much with work since I discovered that feature. Yeah. That, uh, and again, that's, it's not really time management, but it definitely helps with organization and mm-hmm. using the technology that you have to benefit you. Because yeah. I always think 
well, how did our parents function before, <laughs> right? Yeah. My mom put notes all over the house. Mm-hmm. Now we don't have that because we have things we carry with us mm-hmm. all the time yeah. that are essentially sticky notes. So same difference, I guess. Serves the same purpose, just a bit tidier and you look less crazy doing it when people yeah. come over. <laughs> <laughs> um, but... I, I, outside of that, I ha- I don't know how people. I guess people had like day planners and stuff. Like, uh, yeah, my mom was big yeah. on. Well, she's. I think she still is, but big on writing everything yeah. down. She, she'd have her big thick book with uh like daily agendas and right. all kinds of room for notes and stuff. Right. Yeah. So if you want to remind yourself in a week to do something, you flip to that page. Say follow yeah. up with whoever. Right. Mm-hmm. So it's it's nice to have it all digital now. <laughs> well, it, for me, it certainly is. I don't know. If if someone grew up with the kind of agenda thing, I don't know. I don't know if digital would be a good enough replacement. Like I know people, you can now get eBooks, but a lot of people, I don't, but a lot of people still really like the feeling of flipping pages in a paper book. Right. And Maria is that way quite a mm-hmm. bit. Like I've shown her the outlook thing about the ad reminder. Uh, and then even with work, we'll have Excel spreadsheets where we track like receivables so right. it's like, you know, this date, we got this thing from this person. Oh, we're still missing this thing, right? So instead of having to keep it all in your head or a list, it's just all in a spreadsheet that you just mark off when you receive the thing. So especially yeah. when you have multiple people collaborating on something, it helps to have kind of a central tracking system yeah. to to refer back to. Mm-hmm. And with her and her office, like they, she has a lot of receivables that she needs to keep track of as well. And I've kind of you know encourage her to set up some sort of tracking system even just for herself so that she's not going crazy trying to remember and follow up on all this stuff like it's just there so like she opens it looks at it to see what she needs follows up as she needs and that you can just add whatever comments or notes to each cell you know Mm -hmm. follow up with whoever on this day and still waiting for whatever like i don't know I i think a lot of people it's it's intimidating at first but once you see how much better it makes your life it's you you don't go back and I, yeah. and I don't think I'm being dramatic about that. Like, I think it is literally once you see the benefit it offers, it's like, how did I ever function without yeah. this? Oh, yeah. That's exactly how I feel about OneNote. You'll be disappointed to know, honestly. <laughs> like, it sounded like you were describing OneNote the way I feel about it. Um, it's one of those things that takes, it took me a while. Like, I'd heard about OneNote for years. And then I actually went, I tried to go all in on it. And it was just like, oh, there's a, it's like having an agenda like a a day planner like our parents would have and then or people probably still have but then also being able to like add infinite sections and pages in to it and it's all digital and uh i don't know i it just keeps me much more organized than i would have been otherwise the other thing when you mentioned inbox like gmail google um, do you use the reminders in Keep at all? Because Keep reminders also pop up in Inbox, and I really like that. I make use of that. Like I kind of alluded to before, I don't really use Keep for time-sensitive stuff. I, I don't either, but there are certain recurring or non-recurring reminders that I just... Like, I have a thing that pops up every day reminding me to do X and X thing at a certain time, and then it shows up. Like, I never go and check it in Keep. I see it in Inbox, and I just swipe it away. And if I've done it or whatever, or if it reminds me to do it, and then it comes back up the next time in inbox. And so I kind of track it through there. What would be an example of something that it reminds you to do? If you can share. Uh, like every Tuesday, uh, whatever it is. 
like I have, I have different things like little chore or something to do, like take mm-hmm. out the garbage every Tuesday. So you have like a separate keep note for whatever day, like Tuesday, yeah. you have a Tuesday keep note. Yeah. Just cause that's the most convenient way. It, it's something that I tried and then found it worked really well. And so I've kept it up. So this would be an alternative to just setting it up in a calendar. Yeah. As like a recurring event. Cause it, then it's not, it's not cluttering up my calendar. Right. Although I do think if I go into Google calendar, I think it also shows it. Hmm. If I have tasks on, which I right. do not right now. If I flip the switch on tasks, it does show up, yes. Because there's there's tools built, like to-do apps, that mm-hmm. function that exact same way. Like every yep. Tuesday at 8 a.m. remind me to take out the trash. Yeah, right. I, that wouldn't be beneficial for me just as a reminder in a third, or a, I guess third party, but like a third app. But if it's built into something I'm already checking, then it, I find it useful. Like I'm not going to go and check a to-do app but I'm going to look at my email and I'm going to see it pop up. Like you mentioned with Outlook, it's, if you see it in your email, you're like, oh, there's a thing I have to do. Right. I think the thing that I like about, from what I've heard about a lot of to-do apps is they focus on making sure the task is done. Right. So if it pops up and you snooze it or swipe it away mm-hmm. or whatever, it will remind you again in like an hour yeah. Right. Or however often that you just choose to have mm-hmm. it bug you again yeah. until you're like, oh, yeah, I still have to do that. Oh, yeah, I still have to do that. And then finally you do it and then market is done and then it doesn't bug you anymore. Mm-hmm. Because I, f- I find that I'll have something in my calendar or just whatever reminder is saying do whatever. And then I'm like, oh, yeah, I'll have to do that today. And then it just right. kind of like goes away. Hmm. But it doesn't bug me again because the snoozing function, again, unless it's inbox where I can just keep snoozing an email. Yeah. Which you can. Which you can. But again, like at some point I'll be like, okay, yeah, I'll do that today and then just dismiss it. Yeah. But I think if the function was marked as like it is done, that thing is done, I probably wouldn't as easily just say, yeah, it's done. I'd have it continue to bug me throughout the day Mm -hmm. so that it actually does get done. But I guess it depends on the person, like who's using it and, and how they function. Yeah. Even when it comes to things like I used to use Instapaper a lot, like a lot. And now I find that I'm not going to go to a thing like that. I'm never going to go and check my Instapaper list unless like I'm really bored and like Reddit is entirely has entirely been read. I'm all caught up on Twitter. Like all these things have are up to date, which never happens anymore anyways. But if I use the Google inbox, Gmail inbox functionality where you can save a link to inbox so it shows up as one of your emails, then I actually go and see it. Hmm. So I use basic, like again, for saving links and stuff, I use inbox now just because it's built in. Yeah. I don't know if you've ever used that feature. I had tried um, using the save, the link saving for for inbox Mm -hmm. because I just, again, I use pocket similar right. to what Instapaper does. Yep. And in, at one point, I can't remember even why I did it. I think it's because I want to be reminded of it. And Pocket doesn't have reminders. It just saves mm-hmm. it and you have to go and actually look at it. Yep. At least as far as I know, they don't have reminders. So I was like, okay, I want to be reminded to read this. So I went and shared it to Inbox and then it made it as an email or whatever, I guess, just an yeah. Inbox item. And... I guess it was good because then it showed up at the top of my, at the top of my inbox, and I remembered yeah. to go look at it. But I don't have too many use cases like that, though. Like right. too many, too many times where I I 
need that that function. But no, that that is that is a good feature of Inbox to be able to yeah. to send well, links. Especially, there. yeah, they have um, with the widget, or I guess not widget extension functionality is what I'm thinking of, where with Android, you can definitely share to inbox. Like if you pop up on the share sheet on Android, it'll, yeah. one of the th- options. No, that's, and that's why I did with, with, with the, the URL for that one site. Yeah. Yeah. And so inbox on iOS does the same thing where it'll pop up with an overlay that says you can either share via email, which is another thing you'd want to do with a link or save to inbox. And so I always, I never share anything. I would never <laughs> share a link with anyone via email. Cause that's crazy. But, uh, I have definitely saved many links to inbox. Right. It's not like I don't do it even every week, but right. whenever I have a link like that, I just save it. Actually, the times, now that you're mentioning it, the times that I do want to save and be reminded of a link is with work stuff. Like a lot of the mm-hmm. time on Twitter, I'll see whatever news item or I'll see something on yeah. LinkedIn or something that I want to look at for work, at work, when I'm at my computer. So instead of saving it to my personal reminder list of whatever i'll just email it to myself right the link because i know that when i get into work on the monday or that the next morning mm-hmm. i'll look, go through my emails and be like oh yeah there's this thing i wanted to look at and that's but I, similar i guess to what inbox does is inbox is oh, yeah, you're emailing it to yourself but without the overhead of actually sending an email sure and, and that's yeah. that's the main uh hurdle with just emailing something yourself he's just sharing it to an email or just copy yeah, pasting it exactly like three or four <laughs> extra steps who wants to do that yeah yeah um one of the things that we haven't uh, that i haven't mentioned yet and maybe you do the same but um <clears throat> when i'm at work and i have a meeting coming up the often the last thing i do before going to a meeting is i stand up i go to go to the meeting and then i think to myself what room is this meeting in? And then I have to go sit back down at my desk, usually unlock my computer again, open my email, check. This is when I first started at work. This is what I would do. Like go look in my outlook, see when, where the meeting is and then go to it. And then like, because we have meeting rooms that are similarly named and numbered, I'll be like, Oh, like two, if two are right beside each other on the 14th floor, there's 14, 150 and 14, 250. I'm I'll often get the two confused number wise. Cause I'd often forget which is which anyways. And so I'll ha- I might have to like mentally recheck, but now I only use the Apple watch to check that. And so I have the Siri watch face turned on because I don't, I don't want to muck up my home screen with a calendar all the time. It's just when I'm going to a meeting. So I swipe over to the Siri screen, which is one screen over and it always has my next meeting coming up. So I just glance at the screen and it shows what the meeting room is on my watch face. So I'm like, okay, 14, 250, I'm done. I keep walking and then like halfway to the meeting, I'm like, oh yeah, what room was it again? 250, 150, 250. Oh yeah, 150. And then I just keep going. Like I don't, there's no more mental overhead. You're looking at me like I'm a crazy person, but that happens every single meeting. I believe that's happened, but I don't see the necessity of going back to your desk. If it's on your watch, it should be on your phone. Oh no, no. That's what I'm saying. Before the watch, that's what I would have to do. But why wouldn't you just but look now, at your phone? Because even then at the time there was no good widget. Like when I got the watch, there was no good way to actually go in and do it. So I'd have to, again, unlock my phone, go to my Outlook app, wait for it to load, go over to the next screen. Are you kidding me? Wait for it to load? 
This this is the the struggle you're trying to overcome is opening your your phone. No, but it takes a second look. or two to wait for it to load after you've unlocked it versus like lifting your sure. Arm. But you're 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 you went from go back to your desk, log in, well, check what. It's when like, I say go back to your desk, I mean like I got to step away from it and I have to step back. <laughs> it's it's like five or ten seconds in either case to actually figure out what room you're in, and versus like looking at your watch. Sure. I, oh, I, I can appreciate the better. convenience of the watch. I, I just don't think. So, okay. This, this is a, we have a lot of meeting rooms sure. in our organization. Yeah. We have the, our, like Ensor expands several floors of the, our building and there are meeting rooms on every floor. And so we're trying to get one that's not occupied. So we're not always in the same room. And this is a common problem that everybody on our floor faces. And so we get to, we often, like if there's a meeting with like 30 of us or 20 of us, we have to well congregate in the elevator area trying to figure out what room the meeting is in and nobody knows so the either either someone again has to go does back nobody to their have a phone <laughs> most people don't have their email hooked up to their phone but like you do. in our organization i do so why wouldn't you be the savior to I, go and let everyone know what in room the is middle in? i used to before i had the watch but i did have the phone that is what i would have to do and it would still be trust me it would take time to load my email and go over to the calendar make sure like scroll to the right time make sure like it didn't just pop up Mm -hmm. whereas now on my watch face it just pops up it's just always there when i need it right so like that's that's really my only use other than seeing the weather the current weather that's my only use for the siri watch face but it's extremely useful every time i need it on on that same note unrelated to time management but i've really liked Mm. having the weather on my watch as well yeah it's the best because i'll I'll be going out for lunch i'm like and i'll be grabbing my jacket i I, not that i do it any it was different in the summer when i could go Mm -hmm. with or without a jacket but i still like to know how cold it is so say say if i'm should i get off on the plus 15 or should i go to the ground floor depending on cold it is right so i'll just look at my watch and it's like oh it's minus six that's not bad oh it's minus 15 okay this is plus 15 walk today yeah because I think I t- I've told you guys before, the the thing that convinced me that I'd use a smartwatch is as I was heading out in the morning to work, I'd be wondering how cold it is outside and I'd look at my watch. Right. Like I'd <laughs> never owned a smartwatch before, but it was just natural for me to go look at my watch to see what yeah. the weather's like. And I don't yeah. know, it's not that it, it pays for itself that way, but it's, it's that sure. added convenience of having it right there. Yeah. Yeah, as long as it keeps updated, which yeah. sometimes I trust my watch has been ha, has had the weather updated, but sometimes right. I don't. Like it's usually off by a degree or two, not fifteen degrees. Right. Like it's not months out of date; it's like six hours out of date or something. Yeah, my weather app on the watch it has settings for how often to refresh it. Okay. So I have mine to refresh every hour. But I think before it wasn't refreshing. I don't know if it was an issue with like the companion thing like android has this really dumb setup where like if you want an app to continually refresh it needs like a constantly running process like almost like huh. a second app really almost yeah it's really weird but android likes to kill yeah, extraneous yeah, processes of course it does yeah so i think samsung had to do some sort of workaround because before my weather wasn't updating but mm-hmm. then I noticed that every time a notification came in, my weather would also update. 
So I think they coded in a thing that like whenever it gets a new notification, like update the weather if it's enabled right? kind of thing, because it's sending a notification anyway. So it may as well update the weather at the same time. And I think that's Mm kind of what it it had it do because now it's always updated. But I also noticed that it like changes every single time a notification comes in. So it's like, (laughs) right, because it's kind of a hacky workaround, but I guess it's fine. Like at least I get my weather. Yeah, it it seems like the people like you always talk about the raw power of a smartphone. But to me, it doesn't seem like it's that hard. One of the things that they talked about on uh, I think it was on macOS recent in one of the recent updates the last few years, they talked about coalescing w- whenever the CPU was spun up. It would like almost like a have you ever heard of cron jobs? It's like Sounds familiar. It's a way of time, like setting a time for a, th- a process to run on your computer. And I almost thought you could like the weather app could say, oh, the next time we hit a certain interval of time, maybe every 15 minutes, the next time you hit that 15 minute barrier, check the weather up, like go get that information, update it in the app, update it in the widget, whatever, send to the watch and then shut off the CPU. And like any app could request if such and such an interval is hit Mm. and it doesn't have updated information, go fetch new information. And it seems like that would be such a great way to have things updated, but it doesn't seem to me like my thought would be, oh, Apple or Android or whoever has thought of things like that, but it doesn't seem like they have. It doesn't seem like any app can just go get updates because you like you don't i don't need my weather to update on my phone every minute the weather's not going to change that fast but if it updated every 15 minutes and had that date like if it showed me 15 minute old data whenever i opened the phone like it would just pop up with 15 minute old data and then refresh and then pop over like refresh to new that seems way better to me than opening the weather app completely fresh every single time blank for five seconds and then load in the data and it doesn't seem like it'd be that hard to code to just have, instead of saying, oh, either refresh when it's open or when I hit refresh or never get new data. It seems like you could have it ping on intervals. Would the idea be that the operating system is pushing this data every however often? No, not because like one of the things that iOS started working on, I think... I forget if Android has the same thing, but um, there's background app refresh. Sure. That apps yeah. can request yep. information in the background. Yeah, there's background data. Yeah. And it seems like you don't need live data coming in. Like you have push notifications come in, obviously, but you don't need the app to have live refresh data 24-7 or even every minute or even every five minutes. Right. But if you had a certain interval, it doesn't seem like having the CPUs spin up so to speak for five or ten seconds every 15 minutes or even every 10 minutes would be that hard on the battery and it would mean that you could get all of the background data all the background app data out of the way and live in one go as opposed to having to load like the your phone knows what apps you use most frequently and it knows approximately when you use them and what kind of data you need it seems like it wouldn't be that hard compared to all the really advanced stuff they're doing now it wouldn't be that hard to have the it go get background data smartly and just keep a copy of it in cache in the app maybe maybe i'm underthinking this but right. it seems like it wouldn't be that difficult i think given the advancements that processors are trying to make related to power management i think mm-hmm. 
power management in general is a lot more complex than we can imagine. Yeah. I, oh, I'm sure right? it is. Like it probably uses a lot more power than you'd think. And, and I feel that if, cause you're seeing Mac OS already does this. Yeah. Yeah. I, I feel that if they already do it, then like, it's not this super secret technique that right. if they're not, then they may already be doing that, what you're describing. But if they're not, there's yeah. probably a reason for it. Because others, yeah. like, if macOS is already doing it, like, why wouldn't they put it in everything else? Mm-hmm. Right? It, it's kind yeah. of like, you know, they, they talked on ATP this week, week last week, about uh, about processors and people saying, like, oh, well, like, the, the new iPhone has this super powerful processor. Why not just put that same processor in the new MacBook? It's like, well, it doesn't work like right. that. Like, you can't just <laughs> yeah. swap one in for the others. They're, they're designed differently, uh, like thermal requirements all this kind of stuff you have to consider that so you can't you can't just draw direct parallels between the two the two right. cases right so this may be the same thing or like i said they, they may already be doing that and it still has the challenges that we're seeing today mm-hmm. as far as getting new new data in the background right yeah the um i'm gonna post i just found one link here from ars technica talking about timer coalescing along with uh, it was in 2013, so Mavericks was a version of OS X at the time that um, was using it. But it it talks about timer coalescing and how it could, sa- how it does save power and how it makes sense to line up processes instead of having like, oh, this process needs power right now, use it. This pa- time, right. this needs timer now. To say like on every X interval, all the processes can just go and use power then while the cpu is running powerful well while it's running hot. right yeah yeah i know no, that that part makes sense yeah and that's why i think like if it did make sense for phones to do that they'd all they could be or should be already doing that but right and it, to a certain extent they kind of do because if i go over to my like my widgets on in the notification center on ios they do kind of all go, that is kind of a way for them to all go get data all at once. But it's not in the background. Like it seems like if you have something as a widget, like if I have my calendar widget, that should be automatically fetched. Maybe that's a bad example because it's your calendar events are already kind of static. But if I have my transit, let's say, my nearby transit buses with the times, like if every, even five minutes, if it just went and got the latest bus times Mm -hmm. that would seem like it's not a waste of power because either the phone's off and it's like the screen's off the screen is going to be one of the things that takes up the most amount of power and so if you're already for example calling to cell towers or calling to the wi-fi network sneaking some transit data like sneaking a transit data request and getting data back from the transit app seems like it wouldn't take up that much extra power right and it is something that you're the user would benefit from having well and it comes back to what i was saying about my weather app like it almost seems mm-hmm. like it's kind of doing that already yeah. where you know yeah. i get a notification and it also updates the weather at the same time because yeah. the phone's done the work of getting that data from right. the servers and it's just sending it to the phone so if it's already sending data it's already waking the screen or vibrating whatever it may as well send that extra little packet to update the yeah. weather app right mm-hmm. so it it does sound like some of these processes are already, it does sound like that's what they're doing right yeah. um but on like an operating system level where all the apps kind of follow whatever rule like this this example is 
kind of an exception, I think, because it's a Samsung watch with a Samsung yeah. phone in the Samsung weather app. Exactly. So they can kind of get away with just doing that. Whereas yeah. if it's like, you know, use example of transit, there's no, at least again, as far as I know, there's no, none of the central timing thing that they can just jump mm. onto and say, yeah, at this interval, we want to get updated. Agreed. But I agree that if they're not already doing that sort of thing, it's, it's worth trying at least to see, yeah, see what it does. And to be fair to these third-party apps, especially, it is like I appreciate that it's a difficult problem, and they have gotten way better since widgets were a thing in the notification center. Like it, it used to be that I would look at, for example, transit because it's a good example of something that gets live data very often. I would have to open the widget, wait for it to load, like sit there, like wondering to myself, does this have live data or is it like a, a cache that I that hasn't cleared yet? Trying to figure out. And by the time that it had actually loaded and it was, I was confident that it had new data, I may as well have just gone into the app. And a lot of the times I would just go into the app just to make sure. But now it's been a few years of this and they've been getting better and better and better. I now will just go in to the notification center and like I don't even have to open transit anymore. I just see the transit data and it's clearly like it, the UI is flashing at me. It's flashing the live symbol. So I know, or at least I'm a lot more confident that that's the live data. Hmm. And that's that's something that not a lot of apps in my experience have, have going for them where they have something that's actually like it's actually pulsing to indicate that it's live data. Whereas if it's not live, it hasn't updated yet, it's not going to have that pulsing yet. And yeah, the other apps haven't done anything like that to my to to what I've seen. The apps that I have, at least, maybe there is someone else that's doing it, but yeah, I don't know. So, is it as long as that widget is active, it's always fetching live data? Yes. Well, it's fetching it on a on a, an interval. I think it's every sixty seconds or so. I think you might be able to after like between thirty and sixty seconds, it will f it will allow you to pull for new data. But otherwise, it refreshes every sixty seconds, automatically. All the time. When you have it open, or, or when when you have it open. Oh, okay. When you have the widget visible, oh, or you're in the okay. app, not in the background. Right. Because I was going to say that'd be pretty resource intensive if it was like twenty four seven when you don't need the bus. Yeah. Okay. But it, if that is one of the things like transit app we we've talked about in the past. The nice thing is that it does show you where the buses are on the map, and it shows you how long ago that where that data came from and when it was gotten right this episode of desktop is brought to you in part by atb we mentioned earlier in the episode that atb is a very forward-thinking bank i'd like to talk to you today briefly about their no fee all in digital bank account it's a new account and there are basically no fees as long as you do most of your banking online which i know i do almost all of my banking online i would do all my banking online if i could avoid uh any in-person type of interactions and uh, with this account, you can also earn interest on higher balances. You can head to atb.com slash listen, be able to find out about all of ATB's initiatives and get more information about their bank accounts. That's once again, that's atb.com slash listen. Thanks, ATB. We, uh, we kind of got off topic of, of time management. <laughs> yeah I'm, this, like, this so, is the problem <laughs> <laughs> this is this is literally what my problem is yeah. so I mean we, we talked about the high level planning calendar mm -hmm. stuff I'm interested in the task 
management. Like when you're doing a task, how do you, if at all, stay on task? Because for me, like with work, we have like hard, well, I guess you call them hard deadlines and like soft deadlines. Mm -hmm. It's like we have long-term projects that you kind of do when you're able to, that there's no real due date and the scope and requirements of the project are always changing kind Mm -hmm. of versus just regular tasks yeah like stuff that's on an interval and like every week or whatever you need to run that report right exactly right and that takes like a predictable amount of time and has the same kind of stuff that it needs so it's easier to kind of get an idea for how long something should take and as i'm doing it if it's taking faster or longer than it should yeah so for that kind of stuff i don't really need any. like these are all on the scale of like one to two hours like each right. each of these little tasks whereas the long-term stuff it's like it's on the timeline of like months that this stuff yeah. is trying to get done in right but even mm-hmm. then it's like you know coming back to the coding part like the coding project it's like stuff comes up and you've got to work on it a bit longer work on this part instead of this part right so you can't really and it's just me working on this it's not like we have a bunch of people working on different sections yeah. of the stuff mm-hmm. So you can't even be like run into a problem and send that over to Dave and be like, oh, hey, this is your, Yeah, I found an issue with your code. Like, can you fix that? Right. Yeah. So that kind of thing is kind of tricky. And I, I don't know if there's really, I mean, like aside from just saying like, okay, by this point, and it comes back to that hard deadline thing. It's like, okay, hey, by this point, I need this much done regardless of what else comes up. So it's like, you just work longer hours to get that done if like for when other stuff does come up because it will mm-hmm. it's not really like but it's hard because when you're doing that thing you, you're you not like unless you're just always working 110 percent, just head down whatever like because it's like <laughs> yeah. oh I'll, I'll do this thing that shouldn't take too long and you're kind of doing it and it's like oh i ran into this thing and you can do that oh i ran into this thing right yeah. So you, it's hard to foresee how much longer it could take than you expect. And I don't know if there's an easy solution to applying <laughs> some sort of like time management technique to that. Right. Yeah. I, I mostly just go with whatever, like I just do tasks linearly. I don't have any real system for kind of saying, oh, I've, I've now spent half an hour on this task for this day. Like I'll get back to it next time. I just kind of, if there's a project that's longer term and I'm interested in it, like especially coding projects where I'm like, I'm eager to do this and I want to like solve it because it's an interesting problem. And I know most of my other work is like you mentioned, oh, running this report or doing this fixed time task that needs to get done. But you're not, first of all, I'm not learning anything. I'm not, I'm not gaining any new experience. I'm just doing the same thing that I did before with new data. Like maybe that's, maybe our CPUs are just bored and that's why they don't fetch new data. Uh, I don't really find that I need task management system for that. And so all I really have that I, that I've actually used is keeping a consistent, like a logical place where I have like either like it's not really a to-do list like a list of tasks that you have to do but it's like if i'm running such and such a report these are the steps i follow it's like when you hear um pilots or surgeons have a checklist like a pre-flight checklist or pre-op checklist it's almost like that where i'm just making sure that i've 
done my due diligence to do every step properly. And you're going to hate me, but uh, OneNote is really great for that because you can just have like a pre-filled list of here's the thing I have to do. Oh yeah, there's a link to that resource or this resource or this form or this template or whatever it is. And so I can just open that up. And a lot of these things, a lot of the things that we do at NSERC are yearly. So they're not, the the task isn't actually going to be exactly the same because there will have, since the previous year, there will have been small tweaks or improvements or whatever. So you're, you're going back to last year's template, making whatever tweaks were needed in the interim, in the year that has passed, and then doing the task. And then it's kind of like off your plate again until next year. So trying to come up with a system to handle that is like a challenge in itself. Like you could have a few people on our team whose job is just to update procedures. Mm-hmm. It, it's a, it's a kind of a weird, tricky situation, but I'm sure that like, especially in public service, I think there's probably a lot of things like that where they only get looked at every so often, every year, every few years. Right. And usually in our case, at least, and I think probably in a lot of government jobs, either it's someone who's been doing it for 30 years and is bored but they like that's their their jobs so they do it or in our case a lot more often it's someone who's never done it before like the person who did it last is not even there anymore and it's someone who's never done it before trying to figure out what right. they're supposed to do and what's changed and in either case it's not it's not the kind of thing that's really amenable to a good kind of repetitive system like that right and it sounds like on its own having it being done every year versus regularly Mm-hmm. You need those types of checklists and yeah, ideas yeah. of how long it should take, how to do it, et cetera. Yeah. And I mean, yeah, with people who haven't done it before, again, it's even someone <laughs> who does it regularly, who does it every year, they'll still probably have to refresh You'll themselves forget. and yeah. whatever, right? But for someone who's never done it before, that that resource needs to be there to be able mm-hmm. to do that, especially if the person who did it last time it may not even be there anymore. Yeah. The, the funny thing you get with that also, the other consequence of that is that there will be someone who's who's either done it multiple times before. Like there's a person who needs something and there's a person who has to do it. And so the person who needs the thing, like the report or whatever it is, whatever it needs to be run or done or worked on, they don't, they know that they, that it has to get done, but the person that actually has to do it is new and they have no idea that it needs to be done. So like, they'll be like, they'll be going on with their regular work, da, 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 da pulling the report, doing the thing, making copies, getting, doing whatever they needed. And then all of a sudden they'll get an email from someone and they're like, oh, did you do the report like you're supposed to? And they're like, what do you, what report? I don't, I have no idea what you're talking about. And it's like, oh, every year at this time, the person with this job does this thing. And it's like, how can there not be a th- like, it's, it's like public service government is obviously bureaucratic. It's very complicated. There's lots of stuff going on. There's lots of moving pieces, but I find it so funny that you could get surprised by a task just because nobody who's there knew that it was coming. Right. And you'll get an email and you're like, suddenly you have to spring to action and everyone has to unite and like pull this together where it's like, <laughs> in theory, you could have been preparing this for this for like a month. So are there no supervisors that guide their groups to make sure that kind of stuff is done? There are. And it's not like those supervisors are bad. Like it's not a, it's not a, <laughs> it's are. not a bad, no, no, no. It's not a bad mark on them Okay, because it often bypasses them. Sometimes it doesn't. And in those cases, you'll have kind of a warning, but the task will often bypass a manager and it will just go straight to 
the, the person underneath, the person that actually has to do the thing. So maybe that's a kind of improper chain of command and that's how it gets missed. But if, if the, say there's a, a veteran person doing the task and there's a veteran person assigning the task, the manager doesn't need to be involved. So it, the emails and whatever, the materials can just go straight back and forth between the two people. But then a new person comes in underneath the manager and they get surprised because, and the manager, like if they went and talked to the manager and said, oh, there's this such and such a thing, they'll, they'll have no idea what you're talking about because they were never involved in it. Right. But so it's, it's the individual not being surprised, not the group is what you're saying. So the, 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 the manager yeah, so, or supervisor could have been handling right. it or whatever anyway. You could probably find someone else in the team, like in the broader team, that had heard of it and like maybe knew it was coming or whatever. Okay. Like I know that every, because I, I did it a few times when I was in a corporate planning job, I had a report that I had to produce. Like it was a lot of work and I had to make, do it over several months, but there were still tasks that would come in that were like, oh, we have to do this. And then somebody inevitably would be like, oh yeah, I remember having to do that at one point. But it's like, it's not their job anymore. So it doesn't come up. And like, so I know now what, because I was there for a year, I know now every step of that process, but I'm not there anymore. And there was never any opportunity for me to be like, oh yeah, by the way, this comes up at this time because I was just gone. And then they brought someone else in. There was no overlap. There was no kind of passing on of knowledge. Right. Yeah, knowledge loss Laws transfer knowledge loss is, especially in the current economy in Alberta here, is a pretty big deal. Mm -hmm. uh, like companies, especially big ones, when they have to do like layoffs and stuff, they'll say, well, this young person, they're cheaper, they're more eager, yeah. they are better with technology. So let's keep that person in. Can the guy who's making twice as much and knows the same and possibly less than this other guy, mm -hmm. right? Yeah. knows in air quotes because yeah. you know it's you can only <laughs> doesn't know yeah so yeah. no i mean <laughs> as in they probably know more than they're giving credit for from like yes. a process how things work just mm -hmm. confidence etc right versus yeah. like technical knowledge right yeah um so then they they're not there anymore and then it's the same kind of scenario it's like oh where's this thing oh i've never done that before oh who did it oh you know julia oh she got let go last year like oh who, who knows <laughs> yeah. how to do this now right mm -hmm. or just or just general day-to-day -day situations of like stuff happening and that experience is lost like people who have been through that thing before especially like in oil and gas when like a lot of different things can come up and happen like i've been exposed to a lot of different types of situations that like the person who's who's working with me now in my group so she won't know what to do. And so I say like, oh yeah, when stuff like this happens is what you do, blah, 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 blah. And then mm -hmm. like, and I know that because I, I was in her place where it's like, I don't know what to yeah, do with exactly. this. Right. And my, my manager was the one that showed me how to do it because he had been around the block and has encountered it before. Right. So it's that shit, that passing down of knowledge and experience. But like, if you're not careful, you can put yourself into a corner when you don't encourage that type of training when those people are there and yeah. or that transfer of the knowledge and again like you're not going to cover all your bases with someone if you have to lay someone off and you you know ask if they can stick around and train the people that are going to replace them like yeah. i don't know if that's even yeah. a thing but <laughs> i mean like hopefully you've done you've covered that beforehand so that yeah. like the new potentially younger people are getting that transfer of knowledge 
while those people are still there. Not 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 yeah, to had- not to condone or uh, encourage you know that type of laying off. Like ideally, you're not right. laying someone off, but just because they're the oldest or have the most experience. Yeah. But often that is the case, and and hopefully you've you've prepared for that. Mm-hmm. On our team, we were lamenting slash observing that the we had one person out of the six of us that had been in the same job at this time last year and so we'd most of us had been there for a year or more but we weren't doing the same job and like so we'll we'll come up with after like spending a month or something six weeks of effective time and we'll like learn a fact like learn something about what we're working on be like oh i had no idea that was the way that that was supposed to be and then like a month or two later, I'll go back to the person that like, I'll, I'll see the person in the hall that had had my job previously. And I'm like, Hey, did you know that such and such a thing is the way it is? And they're like, yeah, of course, obviously <laughs> like we spent like not continuously, but like over six weeks, we learned that. Right. It's like you already knew it and you were gone, but you were right over there. Right. But you didn't know, you didn't know that you didn't know it. You didn't know to ask. Right. And that's why as a part of when I train people, and when I am being trained myself, I find it pretty beneficial just to like watch someone do something. Mm-hmm. Like even if it's the same thing you're doing, everyone has their own way of doing stuff. Right. And you might be like, wait, wh- what did you just do there? Like, what did you click? Oh my yeah. gosh. It, I didn't even know that was an option. Right. Like, and that's happened to me and by me yeah, yeah. on so many occasions. And it shows that yeah, there's more than one way of doing things and there's not just one right way. There might be more efficient ways for certain people, but it what you're doing right now may not be the most efficient way to do it. But unless, like you said, you see someone else doing it differently or doing it, period, you'll have no idea that's even a thing. Yeah. Especially when it comes to technology and like software. <laughs> yeah. Like, yeah, like yeah. people, like Microsoft Word and Excel, like those those pieces of software change all the time. So if you started in like Excel 97 and it's been updated up to whatever point, but you've just kept using the same methods and whatever that you've always done, but they've added new things in the meantime and someone else has come in and stepped into it at 2010, they have may have completely different ways of doing things, different functions, different whatever, but Mm -hmm. you'll have no idea, even though you're using the exact same software, like on the same version even, but you just had no idea that it could do that thing. Um, so yeah that's that's one of the fun things and downfalls of technology I guess is that it is changing so often and getting better yeah but you need to be intentional about finding what's changed and how to do these different things yeah that's that's one of the reasons that I keep advocating at work to it's like it's almost like the analogy of like you learn how to ride a bike and then you know how to ride a bike but except the bike keeps getting more advanced. And if you keep, like if every time a new bike gets released, you learn how to ride that bike, it takes no extra effort. But if you, if there's bikes in the media in the meantime that you don't ever learn to ride, cause you're learning, you're riding your original bike all the time. If suddenly like a new advanced bike gets released, that's like five generations ahead. And someone says, Oh, now you have to, we're, we're discontinuing that old bike. You have to learn the newest one you didn't have those interim steps right and it's just completely overwhelming 
But if you had just stayed on the newest one all the time, or like after three months or something of the newest one being out that you jump to it, then the transition to from old to new is a lot more gradual. Right. I think to continue on the bike analogy, <laughs> it's an awful analogy. But, <laughs> well, you okay. started it, so we'll continue. Yeah, with I, know. It. I know. It's like if someone converted your chain bike to like an internal gear shift yeah. bike and threw mm. on like 10 extra speeds and didn't tell yeah. you, but they put the, that new gear shifter like on the frame somewhere yeah, out exactly. of sight, out of your line mm-hmm. of sight. Yeah. And then someone like rips past you like, why are you going so slow? It's like, yeah. what do you mean? It's like, oh, didn't you know that you're, you can go way faster? Look, there's a little lever down here to change your gears. Like, oh my God, yeah. like I didn't realize I did this, right? <laughs> yeah. I think... I think both cases are true. Like your thing about, you know, you stay with an old thing until you're forced to, or in a position where you're needing to use the new thing and you're behind, or they Mm -hmm. change just the thing you've always been using, adding Mm -hmm. new features that you're not even aware of because you haven't been shown them. Sure. Yeah. I, uh, I especially find, I know, I know myself because I, I have this one macro that I'm super proud of that, can it's it's agnostic to my work specifically all it does is blindly um sort files into kind of piles or into into folders right based on their based on what they're called sure and all you need to have is one spreadsheet that has a map of what goes where and it will change it on the file system and so I know if I get a task that involves having to move files from one place to another, I know that even if my macro doesn't apply directly for solving that problem, I know that I can use that as a tool with small tweaks or like I know I can apply that 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 document, that macro to almost any problem to do with sorting files on a file system. But if someone else was given the same task but just had my macro as it is, like it's not you they wouldn't be able to just use it they wouldn't be able to intuit that it would work in this other way whereas i because i know the underpinnings of how it works i can just go oh yeah just like change that column to this and instead of doing this hitting this button just put those values in this column and like it i can run it and it'll be it'll do exactly what i need but someone else coming to it would be like oh no that macro doesn't work for that you have to just do this and then like that'll take honestly like it could take because it's it's a manual job. Otherwise it could honestly save you like 1000 times effort, right? Like it could be three orders of magnitude faster to do it using the macro adapted. But if you don't know about it, then you're just, you have to do it the manual way. There's no, there's no shortcut other than adapting something that you don't really know about. One. And you guys don't have outside of yourself, I guess, like an in-house app developer, to build no. we, custom yeah. apps that does that thing that your macro does, but that everyone <laughs> yeah. can use and is user-friendly and flexible in a very intuitive way versus yeah. a I, spreadsheet yeah. that has a macro that you have to do a bunch of crap to to make yeah. it work. I'm on a five-year plan to get that job. <laughs> well, you're but right now it doesn't Well exist. on your way. <laughs> you just need to learn Java. I don't know what apps are written these days. It, I hope not Java. Something. I hope not Flash. Probably Java Flash or <laughs> I don't know if C. I don't think you'd run like UI apps in C, can you? Yeah. Yeah, you could. Okay. Not only C, but like that's what Windows is mostly written in like C. Okay. Um, yeah. The 
it, it this does tie into time management and task management because like that um that old xkcd that is always applicable um the graph when you're of, automating yeah. the thing like the time it takes <laughs> to automate like i'd rather spend my time i'd rather spend 99% of my time automating a thing right. and then 1% running it than having to just run it right. manually constantly. Well, for me, it's not even the direct or immediate time savings from that initial <laughs> instance. Like, So you spend 80% of the time building the automation, 20% running it, whatever, or mm-hmm. whatever the percentage may be. Yeah. But then I find that as like an investment because I'm investing in the time to learn how to automate this thing you know, whether it's writing code or running whatever software. But then the next time I want to try to build something to automate, it's not going to take that same 80%. It's going to be like 5% or whatever. Like you said, to adapt the spreadsheet you've already made, right? So the more that you're able to use it, the more payoff you get. Because you're not going to have to start from scratch every time. Ideally, you're able to reuse your code or just at least you'll have that like foundational knowledge and understanding of how to do something that you had put in that first time that, you know, if you'd look at that snapshot, it's like, well, why'd you even bother doing that? You didn't save any time. It's like, yeah, but this next time I saved a ton of time because I already had that thing. Yeah. Totally agree. So now like it's, <laughs> we talked about last episode, how you're like the Excel guy, right? Like, yes, I'm the Excel guy at my office, right? Like yeah. I've been working with this, this project that before, and even just other random like Excel stuff, They'll like send to me, hey, can you like do whatever? I'm like, oh yeah, that shouldn't take long. And they'll just go do it and whatever. It's like, I guess there's that value of playing with that kind of stuff because now I've discovered all these different ways to use Excel and coding oh, yeah. and macros and formulas and whatever. Um, that if I hadn't done that, I'd, I'd have no idea that that was even a thing mm-hmm. until I actually made a point to do it. So, yeah. and part of it is, it's part of that knowledge loss thing because once I'm gone, like no, like literally no one <laughs> exactly. is going to be able to do anything with that kind yeah. of stuff. So like if I'm the employer, you're trying to like have that person stay. Mm-hmm. I mean, like it's not practical, practical to try to have everyone or even a second person on the team know how to do mm-hmm. that thing. Yep. That's just not realistic because not saying this about myself, but like not everyone can do what that person can do. No, right. Of course. So like, let alone someone on the team already, right? Mm-hmm. Hopefully you're lucky and you can, and a couple people can be able to do it, but uh, more often than not, you're not going to have the, yeah. that case. So it's, yeah. it's a bit of a play to, to manage those vulnerabilities, I guess. Yeah. It's funny because when I wrote that first macro, like I've done several now, but when I first wrote it, I was a program assistant and I've now moved up to program officer, which program assistants report to so the program assistants will sometimes, well, they'll still come to me sometimes, but sometimes I'll just hear that like, oh, there was an issue with the macro and it, they just don't really know what to do. Like they'll, right. some, some of them will find workarounds, like the, the ones that are more familiar will find workarounds or like make it work. Um, but the macros that I was adapting came from somebody else who is completely gone and they were all just like, oh, it works. We don't need any, we, we don't know any better. So we're going to keep using this. I came in and made it a lot better, but now I'm still there, but I'm one level removed. And already I can see that there's no new development on these things where theoretically, like they're not in their perfect form yet. They're just better than they were. They, I know they could keep getting better. And if I had that job where you have kind of more free time, because most of your time is spent on repetitive tasks that I've been automating, 
um, I would have time to keep developing it, to keep making it more broad and more applicable and develop new tools. But Right. Yeah. When that's like with a project we're on now, whenever I see an opportunity to make the thing more user-friendly, like even if it's throw in like an error message, right? Like an explanation, not just, oh, the thing didn't run, yeah. but it's like, yeah. oh, do this, this, and this, or like put in safeguards against things breaking. Like, because yeah. I know being familiar with apps and tech and like how easily things can break, especially how like people use stuff. It's like, this will have cases where it's not going to work. And I want to make sure that the person who's using it knows why it's not working and how to do it properly. Yeah. Or to not even get to that point in the first place where it doesn't work. But even if they do, exactly. And it's like, there's people that might say like, Oh, don't waste your time on that. Just get it working. It's like, okay, it's fine if it works, if you use it properly, but like, there's reasons for putting in these safeguards and yeah. these things, right? Yeah. With with that one macro, like I, do, I built a whole, like it literally is an app. It has, like there's a check, like there, once you've done all the, once you've completed all the steps necessary up until running it, there's a button you hit that I, I make you hit. It will not run unless you hit this button and it'll go and check everything you've done, make sure it'll it will all work. Mm. And then it'll report back, okay, now you oh, can cool. go and it'll give you a, it'll actually give you a green right. go symbol and then you can run it, but otherwise it will not let you. Right. Yeah. Dat- <laughs> but that was a whole framework around it. Data validation is a good thing. The other thing that I do yeah. is, yeah, because a lot of these macros are buttons. I have hmm. a initial sub where it says, are you sure you want to do this? Mm-hmm. Yes or no. And then the thing will run once you press yes, because yeah. the way that the the worksheet was before was it would just run the thing once it was clicked yeah. it's like and i've clicked buttons like accidentally so many times yeah and there's no way to undo a macro no. right so it's like you can stop it but well yeah kind not of. on the In order some... of like milliseconds when it runs no <laughs> if yeah if it's done already by yeah. the time you realize it started Th- these are yeah. like clear data buttons right it's like right. you want to make sure yeah. you actually want to clear the data when you press it and there's no undoing a macro. No, that's what I'm saying. Like once you do yeah. it, it's like, oh crap, that's gone now. <laughs> like yeah. hopefully you can close the thing and then like not save it. Yeah. And exactly. you've like saved it beforehand, right? Yeah. But uh so yeah, that's that's one of those safeguards is like making sure there's confirmation dialogue every time there's yeah. like a destructive, even like constructive action. Like you want to make sure that they intentionally yeah. did that. And like yeah. I think for the effort of an extra button click is worth having yeah, that extra oh, yeah. thing in there. Yeah. I also never clear, I only clear redundant data. I make sure my macros never clear data that might be needed. That That's hard to do. Like it means you almost never clear stuff, but like I'll only delete a row or delete something if it's like, had, if it had been a count, like if it was a log of mm. what had happened or if it was um, like, there's a duplicate row functionality, right. but it keeps so it, it, when I'm duplicating it, it keeps a copy. Uh, like there's already a copy of the information above it. So if I'm deleting a row, it's only going to delete the row that was duplicated. It's never mm. going to delete the initial row. So because that would just be it's too easy to mess up. But you, you don't have forms that people fill out that you have macros to just clear the form to reset it. Well, I haven't done a form one yet. Okay, no. Yeah, like a lot of the but that would that would be a tricky one. Yeah, a lot yeah. of the stuff that we have are like form based where you're putting data into various cells that are used in other parts of the sheets. And like from one job to the next, you want to have that data cleared because it's not needed yeah. anymore. So then I have macros that go and, and clear that data, but it's always like, you know, are you sure you want to clear all the user enter data from the sheet? 
Yes. Okay. Well, forever hold your peace. Yeah. So I feel like that's good for the week. You, uh, we didn't get to online reviews, but that's okay. Cause we managed our time. Well, <laughs> I think we did. There's too many, there's too many easy puns on that. Is that a pun? I don't think that's a pun. I think that's just well, referencing an ironic situation. It's not even ironic. We've been over what okay. irony is. That's... At the beginning of the episode, <laughs> you called it ironic. Now I don't get to call it ironic. That's no, fine. Because what I said was actually ironic. Ironic.